We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. We're looking at the Seahawks offense under Brian Schottenheimer, reviewing running backs with rising ADP and playing One of These Things Doesn't Belong on Rotoviz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz. This is Rotoviz Radio brought to you by the FFPC. And I am joined as always by the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, a man with hands so beautiful he could have any woman in the world, but none can match the beauty of his own hands. And of course, that's Mr. Matthew Friedman. Uh, thank you. That was uh, quite a lovely introduction and very accurate too. Is it? Okay. I wanted to make sure that I did your uh, supple skin of your hands justice. (laughs) Yes. uh, uh, It was quite just. Okay. And I bring this up because I feel like I am now allowed to. We got a message on Twitter from one of my favorite followers who goes by the alias El Bonio Commando, which is maybe the best name going. And he said, yo, we, in parentheses, I want the pre-football banter. No need to cut to the chase. You guys have a good rapport and building. Let it breathe. A lot of iterations of this show, and this one is another. Keep it up. So I feel like we have the green light. Uh, okay, fine. So uh, ask me any uh, horrible question you want. I will give a horrible answer, and then uh, we can transition to horrible football talk. All right. That sounds like a good idea. Since you gave me the go-ahead there, <laughs> I really wish that I had some time to prepare for this. I'm All right. I'm going to... Let's play a game here. I'm going to throw out three shows and you just tell me if you think they're garbage or they're good, okay? Okay. Uh, Part- fair fair warning. I maybe yep. haven't seen any of these shows. Okay. Well, that's perfectly fair. Okay. Uh, Parks and Rec. Uh, fantastic show. Okay. Good, good, good. I, I am on the page with you there. Uh, Silicon Valley. Haven't seen it. Oh, you should. I think you would like it. There's one episode that makes it worth your investment and it happens in the first season. Okay. All right. Now let me toss out a show that I don't like that other people do and see what you think. Mm-hmm. Um. Hmm. You know what? I don't have anything. All right. Game of Thrones. Uh, I I like Game of Thrones. Okay. Good. Perfect. Have you read the books? No, I haven't. Really? No. Uh, too long. <laughs> Which is funny for me to say, considering that I I write pieces that are too long. But 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 that, that, that doesn't that doesn't. I guess what that means is I don't have time to read pieces that are too long. So uh, I guess yeah, so. No. But so you mean to tell me that back in the early days of Rotoviz, when I was just a subscriber and I was going through 
paragraphs and paragraphs to learn about a mediocre receiver or a high profile running back that didn't pan out. You weren't you weren't even investing your time into Game of Thrones. Uh, no, I wasn't. I wasn't reading Game of Thrones. Oh my gosh. Well, hey, I've. It's hard. To, uh, okay, so I've done a combination, a hybrid of reading and listening to each of. I, I'm on the fifth one now. Again, I've got to go through that again. But my trick is, Matt, and I think other people out there might be interested in this. You get the book in an audiobook format and you listen to it at like three and a half, four times and you get through them so quickly. I know a lot of people tell me that it's too quick and you can't keep up with the comprehension. But in a series like that, there's a lot of outstanding dialogue. That's why you go through it twice, but at the four times speed, like you can still digest it. That is the trick. Four times speed. Uh, I think that's fine because uh, I listen to podcasts uh, yep. at two times speed yep. and like on my app, that's the fastest that it can go. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of frustrating because at this point, yep. like two times speed basically sounds normal to me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have cast player and you can go up like really high on that. But so the thing is from doing all of this, I have a tendency to talk very fast, which I try to avoid on the podcast. And sometimes my wife will overhear me listening to audiobooks at like three and a half times. And she's like, Dave, that's fine. If you want to listen to it, you have to put headphones in, but it's paid off because we're watching wheel of fortune. Right. And, um, my wife rewinds because I missed some of it. And then she starts putting it playing in fast forward because she went too long. I'm sniping off the answers to the puzzles when it's going at like 4X on Comcast. Nice. So, uh, yeah. So you're basically now like the, the rain man of Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> yes, more or less. So we will get into football talk. I do want to say one thing though. Matt recently, uh, put up a piece on the Action Network covering a 10 year journey from you know, wherever he was in his life before with a lot of winding twists and turns to his role now full-time in fantasy, which I was blown away with. I had my wife read it. She thought it was really funny. Uh, so at the risk of building up uh, the ego of Mr. Matt Friedman, now that we've com- <laughs> complimented his hands, I just wanted to say that because I did really enjoy it. And uh, any of you out there that have read Matt's stuff at uh, Rotoviz or the Action Network, I'm sure you would love it. So check that out. All right. Football talk, Matt. You ready? Yeah, let's get into it. Okay. What do you make of the Edelman suspension? Uh, I don't know what to make of it because we don't know anything, which is so weird. <laughs> like, uh, he's been suspended for testing positive for an unidentified substance, which, uh, I, I don't even know how that's possible. Um, maybe it's right. some weird quirk that they have in the collective bargaining agreement, but basically it means, uh, you know, if you have anything, at all that seems suspicious in your system, you are basically guilty until you can prove that you are innocent. Uh, so, I mean, I'll, we had, we just have to wait to see, uh, what it is that he tested positive for if they can even identify it. But if they can't identify it and they still suspend him, I think that is really weird. Like, I think that will become a thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's peculiar all around. And one of the interesting things. Uh, that they're talking about in New England is if this could have any ramifications or have to do with anything that Alice Guerrero was doing, which would have, you know, a crazy yes. downstream impact. Uh, so it's really, really interesting there. Uh, with what we do know is if the suspension holds, it's going to be a four game suspension. So clearly that puts Edelman's fantasy value in a tough spot. If you look at the rest of the team, I think a natural beneficiary would be Chris Hogan, but maybe it also opens up the chance for Jordan Matthews to come in and start the season off with more of a role than he would otherwise need to work his way into. Uh, yeah. Um, you're basically talking dirty to me uh, by mentioning the name of Jordan, <laughs> Jordan Matthews. Uh, I don't even want to go down that path because I don't, I don't want to get too excited and then be let down. Um, but yeah, Chris Hogan seems to be the, the natural beneficiary of that, but there is the possibility that, uh, this will open up stuff for, for other guys. Uh, Jordan Matthews being a possibility, maybe even, uh, more for James White and more for right. someone like Sony Michelle. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. We can't, we can't forget how many running backs that team has. So there's a lot of different things that they could use. And we already know, like we talked about before, it's a team that is going to use their backs and spots. So I wouldn't be shocked if we actually see them mix in, uh, some of those running backs, maybe rely on the ground more in some of those games. Not that they necessarily need to, but their schedule, I think, is a little competitive in the beginning. So I think that's going to be interesting to see. I guess from a drafting perspective now, 
What round do you think it makes sense to start going after Edelman? Let's say it's a standard redraft league. Not standard PPR redraft league, but you know, like your typical league that uh, redraft players would be in. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's it's really hard to say because I'm fairly um, pessimistic on Edelman anyway because he's coming off of an injury and he's 32, you know, just missed an entire season. So on, honestly, like I'm not even necessarily thinking of it in rounds. I'm just kind of like looking to stay away in general. Gotcha. Um, I think I might find myself in the same spot too. We still have to think about the fact that there's a lot of questions with him too, coming off of that injury from last season. He's up there in age. Um, so we'll have to see what actually happens with the suspension, but for the time being, I'm not overvaluing other players on that roster singularly because of the suspension. So if we move over to our next segment, we got a question on Twitter from another follower that I enjoy, whose name is Binky at Binky the Doormat. He said, not sure if it's been covered. Fantasy impact of Brian Schottenheimer on Russ Baldwin and Penny. Uh, In case you're not aware, Schottenheimer was named the offensive coordinator of the Seahawks. He was most recently the Colts quarterback coach. Uh, now it's going to be an interesting offense that he's going into. We've seen them struggle a little bit the last couple of seasons, especially in the run game. Uh, Schottenheimer's 44. He's also been the OC for the Jets in 2006 to 2011. Um, they did go to the AFC title game a handful of times in that stretch was the Rams OC from 12 to 14. So he has some interesting experience. He did say though, he's planning on keeping about 70% of the offense that we saw under their previous coordinator, Daryl Bevel. Uh, Matt, last season, no Seahawks running back rushing for more than 240 yards. Russell Wilson had three of their four touchdowns and led with 586 yards. What do you think uh, of this? Do you think he has a tremendous impact on the offense or is it going to be more of the same? Uh, I, I think it's going to be like a combination of more of the same, except it's going to be worse. Uh, oh boy. I'm, I'm, I'm really pessimistic on Schottenheimer. Uh, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I think, I mean, it's a weird situation where I, I think if he had a good coordinator or even just like a league average coordinator, Wilson would probably be, I don't know, like maybe a top three, uh, fantasy quarterback. And I think he still has that capability, but I, I think it's not as pretty. Like, I, I think it drops him down to like number four or number five mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, like where he should probably be drafted. Uh, I think the offense as a whole, uh, will suffer because of Schottenheimer. So I think even if, if Wilson is able to have production that is close to what you would expect him to have, I think it will have residual impact on Baldwin. Uh, and then especially the secondary receivers in that offense. And then I think it will also have impact on, um, on, on Penny, even though we would expect him to get a lot of touches. And I still think he probably will get touches. I don't know, uh, how many, opportunities he's going to have to score touchdowns just because like I could see that offense actually being a little bit bad okay I I just Schottenheimer I uh, I just I don't know I don't I I can't think of anything nice to say about him so like I don't know what to say (laughs) yeah so I guess in doing some reading on Schottenheimer um, apparently you know the hallmarks of the systems that he came up in are a healthy dose of vertical routes in the passing game and a power running game Slightly different than what they've done. I don't know if I can really see it getting too much worse, but I I think I'm not going to take a view on this that it's going to have too tremendous of an impact. I'm still expecting that with the cast of other players there, Baldwin will lead the team in targets. I I think it's going to go up a little bit this year. The most we've seen from him was 125 in 2016. Maybe he can get to the 130 range. I do have concerns for Penny though, because I'm not buying into this running game getting going. So the fact that Schottenheimer's there doesn't change really what I would have expected. However, it does seem like the team is threatening that Chris Carson could get involved. Uh, so when I put this together though for Penny, I'm not as high on him as I would have been had he landed in a better situation in comparison to some of the, these other rookie running backs. I'm not completely sold on him. Um, I do think though Russ has that potential to be top five, but it's definitely not, um, as entrenched as we might like it to be. Any other thoughts on Seattle before we move on? I mean, uh, yeah, the, the 2006 to 2011 era with the Jets yep. was, uh, like, I think middling at best. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then 2012 to 2014, 
like it, it's maybe hard to say like, well, how much of this is Schottenheimer's fault versus how much is Jeff Fisher's fault? But mm-hmm. it was basically Schottenheimer's offense. What he did in St. Louis is very similar to what he did with the Jets. And it was horrifying. Like it was absolutely atrocious. Right. In 2013, and he didn't have LT. Yeah. In 2013, <laughs> right. uh, the, the their offense was 30th in yards gained. 2014, it was 28th. Like he is a guy who just storms like, like like seems to be like I don't know like a magician of mediocre offenses like that's just what he does. Yeah, I, I mean the other um, it, it's just like I don't want anybody that's had any chance of being in the room with Jeff Jeff Fisher to implant any ideas in their brain, right? Like he's just yes. kind of like you want to wash your hands completely of anybody that's been influenced by Jeff Fisher. Yeah, he's tainted. He has the virus. Oh gosh. Well, you will not have the virus if you get a listener's only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content. And you can support the pod by subscribing to and rating the Rotoviz radio channel on iTunes. Do that and you'll be eligible to win a free $35 entry into a league at the FFPC. Go to iTunes, leave a review with your name in it, and then listen to future episodes. If you hear your name, you're the winner. If you're interested in being in an FFPC league with some of the Rotoviz writers and podcasters, email us at rotovizradio at gmail.com and we'll get that set up. And remember, we want those bold predictions. Uh, we've got some coming in. Had an excellent one from, uh, I think it was Andrew in Dallas. I hope I got that right. If that was you, I loved it. Uh, 978-925-7628. Leave us a voicemail. Um, we want to know your bold predictions. Another coaching change. We see the Green Bay Packers bringing back uh, Philbin or Philbin, he's coming back to the Packers. When he was there between 2007 and 2011, the their offense ranked top ten in the NFL for points scored and total yards. Of course, outstanding offense. Aaron Rodgers was there. What do you make of him coming back? I mean, does this have a substantial impact on the team, or is this just kind of be more of the same? No, I think it's more of the same. Uh, Philbin isn't quite as important, um, just given that uh, Mike McCarthy. Uh, seems to have a, a pretty heavy hand in what the offense does. Uh, so, you know, when Philbin left, uh, the offense was basically the same. He comes back. It's basically going to be the same. The important thing is the relationship between McCarthy and Rodgers and Rodgers just presence in that offense. I think Philbin is basically just someone who's there and who is functional, functional enough and familiar enough with the system, uh, for there to be a fairly seamless transition. So I, I don't think it hurts. Uh, I don't think it helps. It's just, he's just there. Yeah. And I guess the other good thing about Philbin coming back in comparison to if it was a different coordinator, there really shouldn't be that much of an adjustment period. Yeah. So maybe if there was ever, you know, a situation where it's going to take some time for the offense to kind of settle with a new person involved, that should be pretty easy to get up and going. Now, one of the things I have heard is with the team bringing in Mercedes Lewis, who's a good blocker in the run game, the team might start using some two tight end sets involving Graham and Lewis. Maybe you have Cobb and Adams on the outside. Maybe that gives uh, Rogers a little bit more time to throw could help out the running backs. Uh, so if the offense starts functioning well, you know, I think that, uh, we could see, as you would expect in Green Bay, some very high ceilings for these players and a name that I think we've mentioned before, which is Geronimo Allison. We'll get into him more on another episode, but the more I start looking, I'm really hoping that he can be the third option in that passing game. Yeah. I mean, that's possible. I think the, the bigger thing is, uh, you know, not Philbin's presence, but just the the subtraction of Jordy Nelson, the addition of Jimmy Graham, uh, the elevation of Devontae Adams from, you know, like number two to number one, what happens with Randall Cobb. Uh, you have this influx of young receivers. Uh, maybe Geronimo Allison can actually solidify his role, but you have Jamon Moore. Uh, Equinamia St. Brown, you know, like you have, there's just a lot of uncertainty with that offense. Also, right. especially Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, Ty Montgomery. How does that shake out? So like, I think what happens with this offense, uh, will have almost nothing to do with Philbin and everything to do with how the wide receiving unit and then Jimmy Graham, like how all of that comes together. Yeah, certainly. 
a lot to try to digest and to prognosticate, which I think is going to be very tough. I do have to say, though, like I expect there to be a couple of guys on this team that are really, really strong fantasy assets outside of just Adams and Rogers. I think there's room for one or two more. So we'll see as we work our way into the season. And I think the other interesting thing that we've talked about in here before is that running back situation. If anybody can really run away with it, because I think there's so many points to be had if one guy could outright win that job. Shifting our focus though, I want to take a quick look at some players that are rising in ADP. We have a new app up on the site for best ball MFL 10 ADP, which I really think you want to go check out. It makes it so easy to look at a specific time frame, track the movement of players, identify guys that are rising, guys that are falling. At the top of the list right now, Darren Sproles has been moving up a fair amount in the last couple of weeks. He's an ending ADP right now at 219, which is still pretty low. Um, I think we might have talked about the Eagles backfield, but Sproles at that price, I, I think that you would be buying into. Yeah, definitely. And I, I have a question. Sure. What is the the time frame uh, that, that you have right now uh, looking at this, the ADP? Right. So I ran this looking at uh, the last 30 days. So it's giving us their um, – so the ending ADP would have been the last time that would have refreshed when I looked today. Interesting. Yeah. So um, this is after the draft. But one thing that I'm noticing is that after Darren Sproles – a lot of the guys who have uh, who have climbed in the ADP chart, all of those guys are rookies. Yeah, exactly. Freeman, yep. Hines, uh, on Johnson, Rashad Penny, Ronald Jones, uh, even Jordan Jordan Wilkins further down. So it's yep. it's interesting. The biggest uh, the biggest risers, other than Sproles, are the guys who are really just entering the league, and I think people are starting to gain an awareness of who these players are in the roles that they might have in their offenses. Absolutely. Now, the thing that stood out to me here is Naheem Hines is one of those guys that I kind of want to have in my back pocket, but his ADP is starting to rise up. Now, it's only at 176 right now, which doesn't uh, move him to a range where I kind of feel like I'm losing some of the value I would get, but I don't want to see him creep up too much more. Royce Freeman, though, is at 99, moving up from 107. I think it's only a matter of time before everybody catches on, despite the reports coming out today that the offense wants to keep, or that the Broncos want to keep Devontae Booker involved in that offense. Do you think that at, you know, that 99 range, uh, Freeman is still a guy worth looking at? Yeah, I think so. I have him ranked around uh, running back 26. Okay. Um, But I think he has the upside for much more. It just depends on how much they actually want to feed him and how good he actually is as a receiver. Cause I think he was actually pretty good in college for a guy of his size. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's just a question of whether that actually translates to the NFL or whether they just choose to use him in more of a two down role. Right. Uh, though I, I mean, I don't know if I look at that, that roster that they have, I'm not sure. Do they have a running back? Um, that certainly could you know outplay him to take that third down role uh booker conceivably because in, yeah. i mean it, it's hard to say uh with what he's done in the nfl but in college certainly he was a really strong receiving back uh so i i think booker could be a guy that they choose to use in that third down role right okay now carry on johnson He's moved up a fair amount as well. Another rookie, obviously, like you mentioned. I think people are realizing that it looks like he he's in a position where he could kind of take over that first and second down roll. I don't think it should creep up that much higher, though, with Theo Riddick there. Uh, carry on Johnson at 123. So, you know, maybe two rounds or so after Royce Freeman. Do you think that makes sense? Are you kind of avoiding, you know, I don't even know if I'd want to invest in a Detroit running back right now. Other than yeah, Riddick. yeah, it's really hard because you do have Riddick, who I think um, if they use him the way that they have for the past couple of years, he's pretty much locked in as someone who will finish the season as you know, like a you know, a running back three. Uh, and then there's also the possibility that Blunt is someone who could get a lot of the goal line work. So yeah. then uh, you're looking at Carryon Johnson as someone who might be a better version of what Amir Abdullah was for that team or what the team was hoping he would be. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty negative situation. Yeah. Now, Rashad Penny, he's been moving up too. Now, he's at 67 currently. Given what we talked about with Seattle, I think at that range, I'm probably avoiding him. How about you? 
Yeah, uh, 67 is kind of high. I have him around, uh, running back 20. So I, I, I think it's, it's roughly in that range, but I'm still very pessimistic about him. And I, and, and just in general, in that range, I might be looking to go for another position. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the real tough thing with Penny is, if I'm taking a running back there, I want a guy that's going to have an opportunity to get involved in his team's passing game with the quarterback like Wilson, probably less targets going to the running backs. Cause if a play breaks down, you know, his first thought might be to run, not to check down to Penny. And then Penny, we haven't really seen demonstrate yet tremendous ability as a receiver. So in that range, I don't know if I'm going to look at Penny and with you, I probably in that spot am not, you know, certainly, or, or in my mind, I'm not saying I have to take a running back here. Running. Yeah, and, yep. and this one one thing to add into this, uh, and and this might sound like a weird perspective, but um, because I really want Penny in Dynasty, I might be less, um, I might be <laughs> fine with getting less exposure to him in redraft leagues. But I, I think long term, I am bullish on Penny, and I actually do think he has the capability to be a a pretty decent receiver. Uh, I know this might sound weird, but um, guys who have had a pretty decent um like return success as like, you know, kick returners or punt returners. Those guys normally also have the capability to be good receivers. Uh, And, and Penny, even though he didn't have a lot of receiving action, uh, he did get almost all of the receiving action that went to running backs. So, uh, you know, in that kind of like market based adjusted way, uh, he has decent receiving production, uh, even though he didn't have a lot of raw receiving production. Yeah, definitely. That's fair. And I mean, he did demonstrate, you know, he has a lot of athleticism too. So certainly can make things happen in the passing game if he gets the opportunity, even, you know, if he's not snagging every ball thrown his way. Final name I want to look at. Now, this was a player that uh, was definitely um, hyped up for his receiving ability and to a degree his rushing ability. And that was Kenneth Dixon, who was a big name a couple years back behind Alex Collins, who there might be varying opinion on out there. Do you see yourself getting excited about Dixon at a, currently in ADP of 212? Do you think he's one of those guys you're going to try to sprinkle into a couple of teams? No, uh, I think I I would go with Collins or I would go with um, maybe even like Javorius Allen. Allen because, yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, he's like, Allen's a good receiver. He's a proven receiver. Uh, he's done it for, you know, two out of three years with the, with the Ravens. Uh, he did it in college. Um, and it's not to say Dixon is a poor receiver because he's not, but they've just used Allen. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's probably a situation to stay away from in general, but if I'm going to go with either Allen or Kenneth Dixon, I think I prefer Allen. Right. Plus, you know, Kenneth Dixon, so far what he's achieved is suspensions for both uh, recreational and uh, performance enhancing drugs. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So the, uh, the double whammy. Yes. So I don't know if that's something I want to use a, a draft pick on, but uh, you know, maybe we'll see how it plays out, but I'm not expecting too much from him. Speaking of dynasty, we want to tell you about our friends at the fantasy football players championship, the home of season long high stakes fantasy football. The fantasy draft season is heating up in the FFPC has a format to suit your interest and budget. Whether you like best ball or super flex classic managed leagues, there are drafts daily with entry fees starting at just $35. Jump into a slow or live draft today. If you like Dynasty, the FFPC has almost 200 active Dynasty leagues with entry fees starting at $77 and going up to $2,500. And here's something incredible. Not a single Dynasty league has folded in eight years. New Dynasty leagues are forming right now with startup drafts launching on a regular basis. Don't miss the FFPC experience. Go to myffpc.com. Again, that's myffpc.com, the home of season-long, high-stakes fantasy football. Three of these things belong together. Three of these things are kind of the same. But one of these things just doesn't belong here. And now it's time to play our game. It's time to play our game. All right, so I'm realizing now that in the Sesame Street version, they included three names. For our version, we're including four, if that's all right. Uh, yeah, I think it works. G- given the intelligence that was demonstrated in Matt's ar- article, I think you should be able to handle four names. <laughs> I, I th- one would hope, but you, you never know. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention on that, I had two thoughts I'm going to go back to. One was I felt great reading that because I knew Matt was a smart guy. I just didn't know, ex- you know, how exceptionally intelligent he was. And now I feel like it gives some, uh, you know, if, if my takes are going south, at least we know that I'm being balanced out by that big brain of his. <laughs> uh, that's an overstatement. Uh, I'm not really that smart. Uh, anyone who has spent substantial time with me will tell you that. Uh, I just work hard, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe I, I'm not buying that. I appreciate I appreciate the uh, the humbleness there. But hey, I remember the question that I actually would have asked you at the top of the show. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go for it. Are you master of your domain? Uh, I yes, I I am king of the castle. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm so glad you responded like that. All yeah, right, Lord Lord of the Manor, <laughs> Lord of the Manor. Right, right, right. Oh, uh, okay. Unlike Kramer, would be out before a sip of coffee. Anyway, exactly. Uh, all right. I'm going to give you the four names. I don't care what criteria you use, but pick the name that doesn't belong. And then I will give you my thoughts. So Alshon nice. Jeffrey, Alan Robinson, Brandon Cooks, or Jarvis Landry? Oh, this is a good one. Uh, okay. Uh, I think I'm going to slice this in a couple of ways. Oh, all right. So, all right. so from one perspective, Alshon Jeffrey is the guy who doesn't belong. Because he's with the same team he was with last year. But you have Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, Jarvis Landry, all in new locations. So there's much more uncertainty with them in terms of how they will fit in with their new offenses. On the other hand, I think Brandon Cooks uh, is unlike the other guys uh, in that he is more of that speedy, downfield guy. Uh, he has uh, first-round pedigree that the other guys don't have. Uh, and I think he has, uh, you know, potentially like more raw upside, uh, in comparison to the other guys. Alan Robinson probably did, but we don't know yet because he's returning from injury. Uh, I don't think Jarvis Landry has the raw upside. I think Alshon Jeffrey, when he was younger, maybe, but a little too old at this point and, uh, maybe too many weapons in his, uh, in his offense. So, I, and not that I actually expect Brandon Cooks to hit his upside, uh, in, in the offense, but I, I think just like as a player in a vacuum, he probably has the most upside. Wow. I like how you did that. And it was a very astute observation uh, with the changing of the teams, except for Alshon. Now, I actually was going to go with Alshon, but not for that reason. And for me, it kind of came down to, which you alluded to to some degree, I don't see Jeffrey having the upside to finish in the top 12 like I do with these other guys. I think for Cooks, it's going to be very tough to achieve. Jarvis Landry would probably need a Josh Gordon injury, but just in that Philly offense with Zach Ertz there, um, Ajayi in the running game, being able to spread the ball around. I also think that Nelson Aguilar is going to get involved. I don't yeah. see Jeffrey at this point in his career finishing inside the top 12. Yeah. And, and I, th- I and as you mentioned there, Aguilar, I, I think that's another big one. He could take another step forward this season. Right. I think he's an easy name to remember because he struggled a little bit in the beginning, beginning of his career, but a lot of people were really impressed with him. He was being compared to a Jeremy Macklin. I think he's the guy that can shoulder more of a workload than we've seen from him so far. And he was solid last season. I think that improvement will continue the more he gets to play with uh, Carson Wentz back. And as that offense continues to grow. Yeah. Agreed. Nick Chubb, Darius Geis, Ronald Jones, and Royce Freeman. I'm excited for your thoughts on this one. Oh, man. Uh, I think Ronald Jones is the guy who doesn't belong, uh, in part because the other three guys, Chubb, Geis, and Freeman, they are all like big-bodied guys who uh, I think could actually be three down backs. I know we haven't really seen that out of Geis, but I think he has that potential. Jones, um, even though at the combine he had decent size, yep. uh, he's still the smallest of those. And there, there are the questions as to whether he actually has the ability to be a lead back. Right. Whereas with the other three, I think they can pretty clearly be lead backs. Um, so yeah, I, I think I would go with Ronald Jones as the guy who, uh, kind of doesn't fit. Yeah, I was going to go with uh, Jones as well because I think he's the player that has the most potential of flaming out very quickly. If the speed doesn't translate and it isn't as fast and, you know, it wasn't really those hamstring, I believe, uh, issues that he was struggling with in the combine and at his pro day, then I see him flaming out much quicker than these guys. Uh, one way that we could have gone with this would be, you know, he, that it'd be Nick Chubb. Chubb has the most competition and, uh, perhaps, you know, that would hold him back the most. But there are reports coming out now, too, that Jones might have to compete with Peyton Barber. Uh, so at the end of the day, I went with Jones because I feel good that Chubb is the best rusher on his team. I think Geis is, by and large, the best player on his team. 
Royce Freeman, I think, like you said, can take over a full control of that offense or at least be a superb rusher. So Jones, I'm the least sold on. So I, I was with you on him. Moving to the quarterback position, Kirk Cousins, Cam Newton, Alex Smith, and Matthew Stafford. Who does not belong? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm going to slice this one a couple of ways. Okay. So I would say, uh, from one perspective, Alex Smith is the guy who doesn't belong. I know that he had a, uh, you know, like a, a top three, maybe top five fantasy season last year at the position, but, uh, cousins, Newton and Stafford are guys who have had multiple, uh, QB one seasons. Uh, and I think they are guys that you can sort of pocket in as as uh, quarterback ones this year, whereas Alex Smith, I think, is pretty clearly in that quarterback two range. Uh, and then uh, kind of looking at this from a different perspective, mm-hmm. uh, Cam Newton, I think, doesn't belong in that group in that uh, I know Alex Smith has some rushing potential, but he yep. is not nearly like the dual threat quarterback that Cam Newton is. Uh, Newton has number one overall quarterback potential and those other guys simply don't. And it's because Newton is so dynamic as a runner and uh, sufficient enough as a passer. So I I think from a perspective of looking at pure upside, Newton uh, stands apart from the other three. Yeah, I can't, I can't disagree with those points. I think those were all solid ways of slicing. I think another way too, and you kind of touched upon this would be Alex Smith of that group is the one that I think is clearly due for regression, which is why I would yeah. throw him out of there. I think that Cousins could improve this season. Not saying he will. Same thing for Cam and for Stafford. So I think if they're being valued based upon their production from the prior season, then Alex Smith is probably a guy that you wouldn't want to buy, whereas the rest of them, I would be okay if they were being priced just based off of last season. Falcons, Saints, Steelers, Patriots. I don't have a good answer for this. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't, I don't know if I do either, but I would say the, the Falcons stand apart in that out of, uh, those four teams, um, they are the only one with a quarterback who is, uh, certainly not going to retire next year. Like the, the Saints, the Steelers, the Patriots, all of their quarterbacks conceivably could retire next year. Like that, like that is possible. It's within the realm of, of like reasonable outcomes for, uh, Breeze, for Roethlisberger and for Brady to retire next year. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know what that means, <laughs> but cause you're, you're the one who put these, these four teams together, but like just looking at this and shooting from the hip, I would say like the Falcons are the one that doesn't mean that they have a yeah. more stable franchise, but like their quarterback will be the quarterback for their team for at least the next three to five years. That is not the case for the other three. All right. I like what you did there because very honestly, I was trying to, in this event, I was trying to think of four good teams. I put them down and I said to myself, wow, I have no idea where I would go with this. And I thought that you might be able to come up with something. So I think we'll accept that. Perhaps you if know, there's somebody out there that is realizing something obvious that we don't have, feel free to shoot us an angry tweet. Yeah, I, I think one more is that looking at this more, uh, the Falcons, the Saints, and the Patriots, uh, all of them have split backfields, but the Steelers have a backfield that's dominated by oh, one player. Oh, that's right. That's right. That had kind of crossed my mind. I forgot about that. Wow. This guy is astute. All right. <laughs> well, De- there you go. <laughs> oh, and, and, and one more here. Looking yep. at the, the Patriots. So the Falcons, the Saints, the Steelers, all of them have a wide receiver who is probably like in the top six. Uh, yep. The Patriots don't have a, a clear number one receiver right. in that way, uh, you know, but they, they do have the dominant tight end who basically functions as their receiver. Yeah. Actually, I guess that could have been a good separator too, right? Yeah. All right. We got nailed, there. Nailed it. <laughs> he did it. Nice. Nice. All right. Devonta Freeman, Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette, and Dalvin Cook. Oh man. Uh, I, I think Fournette is like just, he's so much bigger than all of the other guys, but also like. Uh, I think he's probably a better athlete than the other three too. It's not to say like Freeman, Gordon and Cook like are slugs or something. Yeah. Like, like their athleticism is fine, but like Fournette is like, he's so big and so athletic. Uh, and also unlike the other three, uh, he has hands of stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I guess he, he's not horrible, but he hasn't been integrated into his, his passing offense the way that Freeman, Gordon and Cook have been with theirs. Uh, so I think he's he, like, to me, he's pretty clearly the guy who stands out. Okay. I was going to go Freeman in that. I think that he has the 
lowest upside because he is limited by playing with a player that could mm-hmm. take his role. I don't think any of them other guys are playing with somebody that could take their role. Maybe I'm, you know, too early in on Dalvin Cook to make that call with uh, Latavius Murray behind him. But that's kind of how I was going to slice it. But so it seems like you're very impressed with Leonard Fournette. I'm going to ask because your podcast ne- nemesis, Matt Kelly, uh, sharing the same first name, is always touting how, in fact, he asked me when I was on his show last year to confirm that Derrick Henry is a better athlete than Leonard Fournette. Do you agree with that? Because I don't know if I thought at the time that it was as clear cut as he was saying it is. Uh, I think they're they're pretty comparable. I think Henry might be slightly better as an athlete. The, the thing is, it's not as if I'm actually all that high on Fournette as a player. I'm thinking of him more as like a physical specimen. Yep. Um, you know, so I don't I actually don't think that he's like I'm not all that high on him and what he brings to uh Jacksonville's offense. Like I think a lot of what happened with that team offensively last year had not all that much to do with Fournette. Um but, uh, yeah, and, and actually, I, and I get your point, uh, about Freeman being the guy who has the most competition. I would yeah. like your thoughts on Dalvin Cook. Um, I think I'm probably lower on him, uh, than a lot of people in the industry. And, and some of it is just, so, uh, he did well, uh, in, in the four <laughs> games that he had, but it, right. it's a small sample and he's returning from a not insignificant injury. And then, you know, the offense might not be what it was. In previous seasons, right? Uh, you know, there's a new coordinator there, a new quarterback there. Um, Latavius Murray is there, so someone who could uh, potentially still goal line touches. I mean, what are your thoughts on Dalvin Cook? Yeah, well, I think for me, I'll kind of give my answer and then I'll and then I'll break it down. I think that I am drafting him probably outside of the top twelve because of that level of uncertainty. Now, the interesting thing is so. Though I did not go to Florida State and I live in New Hampshire, Florida State is my favorite of all sports teams out there. So I've watched every Florida State game going back for a very long time. I have to say Dalvin Cook, I was so impressed with. I think that watching him in college compared to Freeman, compared to Chris Thompson, some of the other backs that we've seen come out of there that have had some success, he was light years ahead. Then the combine happened and I began to question it, Uh but I have to say, I mean, last year it did seem like his game translated to the next level pretty well. Still though, um, I don't know if his team needs him quite as much as, uh, you know, other teams might need their back. Like you said, with Murray there, there's some things he can do to great receivers. So he doesn't need to be the focal point and they managed last season without him. Um, I still like him, but Coming off of the injury short sample last year, I'm definitely not going to overdraft with Dalvin Cook. I think from a dynasty perspective, if I were able to get him a little for a little less than I thought he was worth, I would probably take the trigger. But I think in redraft, I'm going to play it conservative, kind of pump the brakes. Maybe if I see him falling and I need a running back, he'll be on my team. But I think we got to be careful about reading too much into what happened last year because I would rather miss on Cook um, than draft him and have it not pan out. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think a lot of people are going to be drafting him in that, um, you know, like low end RB1, high end RB2 range. And that just seems so aggressive for a guy coming back from, uh, it's ACL injury, right? Coming back from yeah. an ACL injury who's played for NFL games. Yeah, definitely. Um, hard to know exactly what you can expect there. Now, a group of players who has somebody Similar to Dalvin Cook, uh, if we turn to quarterbacks, Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan, Deshaun Watson, and Jameis Winston. <laughs> okay, so this is funny because basically I'm taking the exact opposite stance on Deshaun Watson where it's like, <laughs> like you cannot be too high on Deshaun Watson. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but, but <laughs> within this group of four players, uh, I think he is the one who stands out for a, a few reasons. So the other guys, although Winston, uh, has been better as a runner in the NFL than he was in college, uh, I think Rivers, Ryan, and Winston are your kind of traditional pocket passers. Mm-hmm. And Watson has the capability really to be, uh, the, the dual threat guy who can run in a way that the other three really can't run. Like those other three are, are pretty much statues in the pocket. But Watson has a pretty good, or let me rephrase that. The last week, saw before his ACL injury, uh, he had pretty good mobility uh, within mm-hmm. the pocket and then also the ability to scramble out of the pocket. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I think he's the guy who who stands above. Okay. 
I was also going to go with Watson there. Now, to kind of get to the point of how we have a similar situation with Cook. So we saw Watson in six games. Touchdown rate was off the charts. Clearly, I don't think it really was. It it really was. I forget the number off the top of my head, but it was insane. Like it could come down a very significant percentage and still be high. But I'm not that concerned with it because when I'm drafting Deshaun Watson or I'm prognosticating what's going to happen with him, I'm building in that regression. I'm not expecting him to have three or four touchdowns a game or anything like that. What I am expecting, though, is a quarterback that I think even if he plays at 75% of what he was in those six games, which I think realistically could happen, definitely has a chance to finish inside of the top five. And at the very least, I think is a guy that you could count on every week. I really like that rushing ability to have, you know, obviously you have the cheat code there. So yeah, I think that we adjust for some regression from last season, knowing he can't keep that pace. But I do think what he did in the six games was enough to show that he can play quarterback in the NFL. He can do it well, and he's a skill set that's going to allow him to certainly be a fantasy player that you want to have on your team. Some of that depending on when you take uh, quarterbacks. Yeah, like I'm trying to force myself to be uh, somewhat pessimistic on him, and I still don't see how there's any way in my rankings I can put him outside of the top six. Yeah. Well, the the other thing too, so when I was doing uh, my dynasty rankings for Rotoviz, and I finished with Deshaun Watson pretty high. I took a peek over at uh, Sean Siegels and saw that he had him, I think, at one or two. And I was like, okay, I feel a little bit better now. So right. Sean's on board than I am. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that makes sense. Like, uh, there's just so much upside with him. And so, uh, and especially from the dynasty perspective, so many other guys who will be out of the league uh in, you know, like three years, you know, like so many guys who are, um, you know, like – clear quarterback one producers year in and year out who are going to be out of the league at that point like it is Deshaun Watson's league yes and you know what we should probably mention too is I like the receiving core that he has too I am a Will Fuller fan obviously DeAndre Hawkins is unbelievable do you like Fuller as much as I do oh man okay good (laughs) because I've actually heard on some podcasts people talking about not getting the hype or, or or whatnot for Will Fuller I'm like are we forget like I I don't get it when you look at it like because yes He's not going to score uh, two touchdowns a game like he did in the stretch where Watson was in, but that doesn't mean that, you know, he doesn't have the capability of breaking off these big plays and getting more involved in the offense. No, yeah. So the first uh, four games or so of his rookie season before he had, I think, like a, a string of injuries, yep. he looked pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and then with Watson, he looked great. And I know that you could say, like, oh, you're just cherry picking and, like, sure, sort of. But the thing is, this is a guy who also was a first round pick, had out, outstanding production in college, like just fantastic dominator rating. And, and for a guy of that size and his style of play to have the production that he had is just, uh, it is very uncommon. Uh, so yeah, I think he has such, uh, such high upside and I basically want him everywhere. Yes, I, I am, I am going aggressively after Fuller this year. He's one of those guys. I've talked about him already on the pod, liking him for, for this season. So I guess the one final question that I would ask you about this is, I'm sure some people will say DeAndre Hopkins has the potential for 200 targets. 175 is very realistic. Is that a problem for a player like Fuller? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I mean, so yes, it is like, I would prefer for Fuller to get a lot of targets, but on the other hand, uh, I think Fuller's game is predicated much more on efficiency. Um, so I think as long as Deshaun Watson is still, you know, like a fraction of what he was, uh, we could see enough there for Hopkins to regress a little bit and for Fuller, uh, to get some more targets and then be efficient with those. Yeah. And, you know, at the very least, I think that um, if he's a player that's a wide receiver three, I'm okay with that, right? Like, I think that would be an okay outcome because where I'm going to be drafting him at this point, it's not like I have to reach too much. And I think the upside will be there. Yeah, I I totally agree. And he's uh, like a wide receiver three who has those those, like peaks and valleys. And I'm fine with that from the wide receiver three position. All right. So we are all in on Will Fuller. Any closing thoughts, Matt, before we let these people go? Uh, No, I have nothing to say. All right. Well, amazingly, hope, I have nothing to say. Right, well, hopefully, I, I'm spoken out. Okay. Hopefully he's still master of uh, his domain over there. 
And that will do it for today's episode. Once again, I'm Dave Cabin. You can follow me on Twitter at Dave Cabin FF. My co-host was Matthew Friedman, who you can follow at Matt F the Oracle. Don't forget to call into 978-925-7628 and tell us your bold predictions. This has been RotoViz Radio. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and be sure to tune in next week. And remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. Thank you for listening to RotoViz Radio. Please rate, review, and contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at RotoViz Radio and support the pod by subscribing to RotoViz at a 30% discount through the listener homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. AAA Home Insurance isn't just about roofs and windows. It's about the people inside. Honey, that tiny leak. Not so tiny. Which is why you get a full replacement guarantee on everything we cover. Mom, I dented the car. And discounts when you bundle your home and auto insurance. Mom, can we go to Hawaii? Plus, when you pair your coverage with a AAA membership, you get discounts on travel, hotels, and more. Oh, thanks, AAA. Join today at AAA.com. Get great insurance and more to outsmart life at home. AAA. Outsmart life. This September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub, drink, and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub, salad, or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.